Now, there you go. Good luck, everyone. Have fun, your apocalypse. From the ditch. Welcome. It's Sean. I'm here with Seth. There's nobody else in the studio tonight. We have decided that it's appropriate because we couldn't find a guest <laughs> to do a solo, or not a solo, a bolo, bilo. Wow. And uh, amidst the uh, newest, I don't even know what to say anymore. It's September, September of 2020. Chadwick Boseman just died. The guy who played Cyclops' voice on the X-Men animated show just this died. This year just sucks, dude. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been rough. But uh, what's been going on with you, Seth? Well, so, um, I'm not sure what you want to dive into. So, one, we're both writing books. You're writing a novella. I'm writing a novel. Aye. Uh, mine is about close to 50% down. I've written 100 plus pages. Um which I'm falling in love with it. The other thing is... That's the key. What? What's the key? Falling in love with what you're writing. About. Oh, with the world? Yeah. I've been told that a few guys where they said, yeah, I fell in love with the world. I, I feel like that was Sanderson and Stormlight Archive. I feel like he fell in love with the world. There's so many details. Um, yeah. But also, I've taken a few weeks to decide whether I want to quit being a pastor and just open up a hot dog stand like washout wieners. Oh, yes. <laughs> so... Finally. Which, by the way, for people who see all these stu- things with Washoe in the title, all these businesses and organizations, I said Washoe Wieners like years ago. Way before so, it was cool. Years ago. But yeah, so and, and that's the truth. I've been writing my book, hanging out with my family, and praying, going, hey, maybe I don't want to be a pastor anymore. Maybe I'll just um, sell hot dogs or write books with uh, fancy themes and um, destroy tropes, you know. Yeah. Or as the French call them, tropes. Tropes. <laughs> tropes. <Now>, tapas. <laughs> they call exactly. them tapas. Because that's, you know, when you think France. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, as a pastor, you're called by God to that office, right? Yes. It's, it's kind of different than being a deacon. As a deacon, you're kind of um, chosen by the people of the congregation. And then maybe confirmed as a deacon by the eldership. But as an elder, you're called by God. You have to volunteer yourself as somebody who could take that position. And part of the requirements for being an elder is that you are called by God and you understand that calling. Mm-hmm. Right? So are you questioning that? It's it's weird because so the bulk of the verses I was talking to someone about this. Uh, a lot of them have to do with the Holy Spirit appointing uh, by you know other men, by other elders, by people saying you know you're called to this, and they lay on hands, and that's the bulk of it. There's only a few verses. Um, I think it's in Timothy where he says whoever desires to be elder. So yeah. so that's part of it because yeah, if you have a guy who you say I was talking to Gavin about this, Pastor Gavin Alan Carson. If you have a guy who says. Um, no, the idea of being a pastor is terrible to me. I hate it. I hate being in leadership. I hate the idea of preaching and all that. Yeah, you might want a second guess. Um, I was wrestling through the idea of the calling and then the desire. So both, I was wrestling through both of them of like, and I think it was more out of a place of just, oh man, it's been a long road of, you know, Hey God, you still want me to do this? And then 
that that's the calling part. And then the desire is, hey, do I still want to do this? So, yeah, I was kind of wrestling through that. I was, <laughs> I picked a heck of a time to do it. I'm like, well, 2020 has already been terrible. Maybe I should also think about my want quit being a pastor. Yeah, Let's I'm sure the that. other pastors were, were just uh, terribly frightened that you were going to just say, piss off everybody. I, I think it's been such a hard year that it's just everyone's kind of like, man, can we get a break? Because this isn't just – um sorry, I had to smoke a drug. Um <laughs> This isn't just church. Like the vibe I'm getting from everyone at work, everywhere, is people are like, I just want it to be done. Just just give us a break. It's fine because, yeah, you have all this political division. But I wish we would all rally around the fact that we are just so done with this year. We're all exhausted. I mean, I wonder how much this stuff has been amped up because we're stuck in our homes, we're depressed, we're pissed off, we're isolated, and then we're shocked that, like, oh, everything's falling apart. Well, it's because mentally, this year, I feel like our nation broke. We just fell apart. So, in the midst of that, yeah, I'm telling the pastors, because I don't like to do stuff like like backdoor decisions, like, I don't know, I, I don't like to just do stuff without bringing other wisdom in or other counsel. I told them up, like, up front, like, <sighs> I'm just like, I'm not even mad at you guys. I'm like, I, I'm just wrestling with, man, I don't know if I have it in me. I go, I'm wrestling with my feelings with God. I'm wrestling with all this stuff because it's just been, you know, I had a couple years as a deacon and seven years as a pastor, and that's not including the training. And I'm going, man, this is just rough. And, and I have to take into account the year because the year has just beat me down, man. We've had race riots, a pandemic. Now, awesome, we get to go into political season, which is my oh, least God. favorite season of the past hundred years. So, let's just say theoretically, you weren't a pastor. Yes. What would you do with all that time? Gosh. Oh, no. Knowing my personality, the second it was available, I'd probably tell Brennan I'm just going to take a bunch of fights and suppress my feelings. <laughs> but I have been in therapy talking to her about not doing those things, not just drowning stuff. Because I think people only think of like drugs and alcohol to drown out your feelings. But you can do it with sports and fighting and other stuff, sex or other things to just go, okay, I'm just going to numb it. If I wasn't a pastor, I don't know because it's been so many years. Maybe I'd probably... Because of my personality, I'd probably go 100% with my book, just throw myself into it. I'm like, okay, this is who I am now. Or 100% fighting. Like, because that's the type of person I am. I'm very much like hit the ground running. I need to have something that I throw myself into. I need to be dedicated to something. Like even the hardcore scene, the straight edge was, okay, it's it's a movement I'm dedicated to. Something I can throw myself into. So yeah, there'd probably be a few things. I'd probably post more quotes on Facebook or... <laughs> You know, do what most people do when they step down from leadership. You know, give everyone else advice on leadership. So, <laughs> but yeah, I've, the cool thing is, I have had um, um, God actually met me there, though. Um, I have had answers to some of these questions, which is really cool. I have had in wrestling through like calling and desire and all stuff. I have had some answers and all that, so that's been really positive. But yeah, question mm -hmm. and not necessarily related to pastorship or your calling or whatever else is going on testicles yeah yeah what do you do when there's no hope give up <laughs> good okay <laughs> we're on the same page no all right all right what were you saying when there's like no for hope? an example say say you're in a hopeless situation right mm -hmm. and i think we both love these in media 
whether it's like a book or a, movie, a show or something like that. Somebody's in an absolutely hopeless situation where they would give up. Yeah. Right. Um, there's no possible way that this situation is going to rectify itself. Um, I know that in media, we love it when the character in that situation says, even though there's no hope, I refuse to compromise mm -hmm. and I'm going to still fight for whatever it is. But in reality, in practical life, do you find yourself doing that or do you find yourself giving up? Um, I feel a kinship to Lord of the Rings where I'm constantly saying, Sam, I can't do this. And I do it. <laughs> so I, I feel kind of like that. I keep going, God, I can't do this or I'm done. And then I do it. And it's, I 100% give credit to God. I 100% give credit to him. Uh, also like, you know, support of friends, family, all that stuff. Cause I've had multiple times where I go, I can't do this. And then I got up and I did it. Um, I've had that with fighting, just even in a street fight where I was like, I, I can't take another hit. And I got up and hit him. So it's, I am the guy who I think will be honest and express like emotionally. I feel like I can't and I want to quit. But for some reason, I, I don't. I just have, and there's lots of things you can talk about God's sovereignty, personality, whatever it is. But I remember even in the match I had, I got dropped once and I went, oh man, I, I can barely remember that match. But it was basically like something in my mind just said, well, get up. I still lost, but I got up multiple times. And it's like, so I don't know how much of it's just conditioning or how I am or personality or God, but I've had multiple times where I go, there's no way this is going to be okay. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep doing it. And I keep going. So I'm not the guy so much. I don't think to be like, Hey, there's still hope. There's still hope. There's still hope guys. I think I'm the guy who goes, oh, well, we got to do this sucks. And then I keep walking up Mount doom and I do it. And it's like, there are probably guys who are better cheerleaders about that. And they're better encouraging. I, I just go, uh, I can't do this, God. He goes, I know. He's like, but you're going to do it. I'm mm. going to help you. And I go, okay. And then I do it. it. It's, it's just been odd. It's, I had that with Maverick. It was 2 a.m. and he was not sleeping. I go, I can't do this, God. And I did it. So I don't know. I, I've had a lot of things where it was like, <laughs> yeah, just stuff where you go, I, I don't know if I want to be a pastor. And then I did. I remember when I was a lead pastor for eight months at Carson. It was like, I can't do this. But I did. God brought me through a whole eight months and the church still survived. And, uh, yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of my weird personality. Cause I see that with Sam and Frodo. Frodo's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. But he just keeps walking. Yeah. Cause in his mind, he needs to do it. That's the thing. Growing up, I didn't get in fights cause I thought I was the toughest guy in the world. I was always terrified. I just always got in fights cause I felt, you know, the fight needed to happen. Like, you know, it, it was a fight that needed to be fought. It was, you know, well, my friends are fighting. Oh, so you, you just knew you would win. Oh, no, I didn't know if I'd win. I know if I'd get trashed. I, I didn't feel confident. I felt terrified. I wasn't a good fighter, but my friends are fighting. And that's how I feel about a lot of stuff. It's like Frodo. He, he goes, I can't do this, but he knows it needs to be done. And I think he knows to some degree he's the one who's meant to do it. So he knows his calling. So even if he feels he can't do it, he knows he needs to do it because he knows he's the one for a job. Like Gandalf says, he goes, you know, Frodo says, you know, I wish the ring had never came to me. And he goes, yeah, so do all people who face these times. Yeah. He goes, but that's not your decision. He goes, all you can do is with the time that, you know, that's been given you. And he talks about, he goes, Gollum was meant to find the ring. He goes, just like, you know, 
um, Bilbo was meant to find the ring. He goes, there are forces at play here other than the shadow. He goes, and that's a very comforting thing. And he kind of goes, you were, he doesn't just say you chose, it's you were meant to find the ring. So Frodo goes, I can't do this. But he goes, but I know I'm meant to. So then there's that tension. And then here's the crazy thing. He does it. And Sam goes, you know, like, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you and and drags him like, (laughs) like a corpse up the freaking mountain because Sam's the man. But yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm very similar to you in that matter where I, you know, this, I'm the first to complain. I'm the first to be negative. I am the first to say this is hopeless and we should give up and we should stop doing this. And at the same time, find power through just trudging through, grinding through things. And so, yeah. And I think people have found that really frustrating with me, actually. (laughs) You know, a lot of people would say how much of a jerk I am because I'm just always whining, which is true. And I, and I, you know, if you're one of the people who have said that, you're right. I am always whining. However, <laughs> you know, through the process of making it through the impossible, making it to the end of a hopeless situation on the other side of it, you know, usually I don't give up. Hmm. And it's weird. There's, I, I think there's two factors at play. There's the one, like, I don't know where I heard this from. Maybe it's, maybe it was from the Jocko guy, the, the um, talks like this he's done bjj i'm, I'm a jump, gorilla jump. i yeah. came we're in afghanistan and you have to understand we're, we're going exactly. there exactly that's ownership. the ship but maybe it was somebody else i don't know <laughs> but he somebody said that it's like a military thing when somebody gets to the point where they're done and they have nothing left to give they're only 60 percent through their actual ability to give or something like that so part of it is that by the time I think things are hopeless and it's all over. I still have even more. I still have, you know, probably 70% to give because I give up early. But, um, you know, there's that extra buffer to make it through. In addition to just that factor, though, I also do think that there is the miraculous, you know? I yes. think God comes through to some degree. And even if it's not like a miracle, like, you know... Uh, do ex machina where something shows up to save you in the end. Mm-hmm. It seems more uh, difficult and it doesn't seem like anything saves you in the end, but somehow you make it through. That's still a miracle. Um, but unfortunately the brand of my negativity is I don't believe that God would ever do a miracle for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still, I do think that that's part of it. A lot of times when people survive um, from sheer will, I think, Part of that sheer will is literally like the grace of God visiting Miracle. that person. Yeah. Miraculous, yeah. Like that toddler who hung on to that kite. Did you see that? So it just – well, there's – you got that. You got where uh, EMT like lifts three times his weight and saves someone. Yeah. It just it, – because it's not physically possible. It's exactly. Just, dude. Or like, you know, a mom lifts the car off or runs over a daughter, lifts the car There's off. There's stuff like that that's ha- – it's – well, here's the thing. I So here's the thing I've been trying to grow in. I realized, you know, therapy, I was talking about my childhood and the grief recovery book. I'm talking about loss. But I didn't, didn't really talk about ministry because in my mind, you know, I thought, well, these are areas that need to be addressed. Ministry, well, that's supposed to suck. That's supposed to be hard. Hmm. And one thing I recognized was with conflict – 
I've never found a healthy system to manage it. I've always just survived it. Whether it's firing people at work, fights, you know, fist fights, emotional, whatever. It was conflict is just something you survive. And I saw that growing up early on. It was, it's not healthy. It's not good. Like, yeah, you may have these little discussions where you disagree on something and those, I guess, can be healthy. You know, I had that in my mind and they can. I've like, okay, well, we have this minor disagreement. Okay, good. We sort through it. But real heated, like, conflict. I was like, no, it's never healthy. It's always violent. It's always terrible. It's traumatic. So you just suffer it. So I didn't learn how to build fortitude and resilience of, okay, every time I go through conflict, I'm getting better at handling it or, or experiencing it. I'm getting better at, you know, um, participating and engaging with it where, yeah, you still get knocked down like a fight, but after every conflict you grow and grow where, you know, you still get knocked down, but you get up faster and faster and you're building resilience for it because conflict's going to suck no matter what. Like if you have a dude who you have to talk to, who's like cheating on his wife or beating his kids, like no matter what, it's supposed to be a little hard, but you can build up resilience and fortitude and different things. I, I wasn't doing that. I was like, just treating it like a fight of just survive it. Just get through it. Just manage it. Just put up your hands. Maybe parenthood is another example. <sighs> I just want to sell him sometimes. Um, <laughs> no, just like put up your hands, like just survive it, just weather it and, and just make it through, just survive. And the thing is, well, when I was 19 or 20, it worked okay. But when you're 36 and it's 36 years of conflict, and you're tired and you can't just put up your hand. You can't even put up your hands anymore. So I've been working on how do I build resilience and fortitude? How do I actually say, okay, I can manage these things. You know, I can deal with these things and like, they'll still be hard, but they don't just destroy me. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I was having a discussion with my wife the other night and you know, we were talking about marriage and how marriage is hard. <clears throat> and that's the thing is, um, when you're, you know, you know, when you're about to get married, people tell you, Hey man, marriage is hard. You don't understand. It's going to be terrible. And the truth is it doesn't have to be. It's not destined to be terrible, but it can be. Um, but the, the difference is that my wife was trying to get through my head that I wasn't listening <laughs> to was exactly like you're saying, as things happen, instead of throwing in the towel, and saying, well, I guess marriage is just terrible. Marriage is always hard. There's no, um, I can be learning from those things. Yeah. And I don't do that well because I was never taught to. First, I was never taught that it was possible that marriages can be good, you know? And second, I was never taught to improve or learn from things. I was taught if something doesn't work out, you cut ties with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, like, when it comes to hopeless situations, I feel like it's the same way. Oh, this is hopeless. It's time to just be done with it and give up. Instead of saying, well, what can we learn? How can we progress? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and some people never do. Some people just, I don't know. I, I've had friends who just, they can't accept that the world is terrible. Like, they think, okay, I'll one day get to this healthy medium, this nice little, like, balanced existence where there's no more conflict. And if I can just get there and then just manage it the rest of my life and keep it there, it's good. Like there's no more progressing, no more fighting, no more advancing or trying to grow. It's no, I need to get to this healthy medium and then just manage it. 
and I'll be good. I've had to tell people like that. I go, you need, you can't keep running from the fact that life is going to be uncomfortable. There'll be conflict. There'll be fear. There'll be pain. Whereas they, it's funny. They're not looking for anything extraordinary. They're just looking for something not bad. They, they just want an average life that they can manage and keep their head down and not have to voice their opinion and not have to declare themselves and just kind of hide and just, okay, I'll, I'll just keep this equilibrium. I go, but if you have stances, if you have views, if you love people, if you believe in anything, if you desire anything, if you take risks, if you enjoy things, you're going to run into different opinions and different perspectives and opposition. And, and that's life. I mean, you literally have to just go, well, I just, I'm not about anything to experience that and just give it like even with marriage. You're going to have it with in-laws where you have to sometimes tell them, no, you don't talk to my wife that way or you don't talk to my husband that way or that's not okay and set boundaries. I just feel it's this unrealistic fantasy of, well, I, I just want to arrive and then manage it. And it's like, you can get to good spots in your life. Yeah, you can. Have, I've had seasons where you're, you're doing well economically. I've had seasons where you're watching your kids grow. I've, Yeah. But then a season later, someone's unhealthy or you have a job issue or you have back pain or you're tired or you have a heart problem. It's like you can't, to quote that movie, you can't be happy all the time. That's life. <laughs> that's life. Like that's life. It really is. It's like uh, I, I'm expecting in heaven what they're expecting now. Like I've just, why well, I want no more conflict. Well, one day I'll be there, man, but not now. Like this, it, it just. Are you talking about post-millennials? Mm, no, I think I was just talking about passive people. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking of some people. I had to think for a second. I go, am I? Am I passively bashing them? But no, it's this idea of, I feel like, and it probably is from childhood because they've had some hard things and they've been beat down and they were told they couldn't be themselves or personality. But this idea of like, well, I, I just don't want to deal with, you know, uh, the fact that you have to fight. You have to fight for stuff in life. There's got to be, you have to fight for marriage. And sometimes you're going to, well, it's so hard. And it's just, yeah, well, okay. Well, the art alternative is quitting. You have to fight or it's, well, well, I won't fight. My marriage will just be okay. I'll just, you know, manage and we'll just, you know, keep it even keel and just, you're not meant to just, well, just manage, just, just, you know, okay. I just show up at home and I pay the bills because I have, I've seen guys who are very passive, very quiet, didn't make waves. And then the wife comes home and goes, I don't feel loved by you. I don't feel like you fought for me. I don't feel like you give a crap. I feel like it is. You're just trying to get by and I want more. And I've seen that with wives. Uh, their husbands have said that. So just it's life is going to have conflict. Life is going to have hopelessness. Life is going to have where you have moments ago. Am I quitting? Am I done being a pastor? And I had to sit there and go, am I still called? And hmm. I actually deal with the answer man to man go, you know, am I still called? Do I still desire this? And actually want to hear the answer. And if I did hear the answer, stand by the repercussions of that. That's the other thing. Stand by the consequences and go, yep, this is what I was told. This is why I believe. And now I have to live with that and I'll stand by it. It's some people are willing to make these bold declarations, but not stand by the consequences. It's like, no, if you believe stuff, well, you're going to have to fight because there's going to be someone else who either doesn't believe it or isn't as tolerant or doesn't want to hear it or thinks your belief shouldn't exist. So it's like, you, you got, that's it. People are going to, to quote crass, people are going to snake you up and criticize you no matter what. You might as well just do what you know is right. They're going to, you're going to be criticized. It's, and you have to be willing to, even if you're bad at something, sometimes take risks, do stuff you're not even good at just because you enjoy it or because you want to try it and you can't, 
you're going to get criticized. It doesn't matter who you are. It literally, you could be the best author in the world and some dude on the internet knows better. I mean, that's just, you know. <sighs> so who are you voting for to wrap it up? Oh, gosh. Anyone but the two major parties. Amen. And, and I know people are like, well, the lesser evil. And I'm like, yeah, that's worked the last 60 years. I, I get it. Everyone has their argument. Everyone has a reason why, uh, why um, my vote counts. As long as I vote the way they want me to. And they go, I don't mean that. I go, yeah, you do. You you don't think I should vote for the other guy. And you give me a million reasons why I should vote for your guy. And we vote for the lesser evil, which is still evil. It's like, well, we didn't murder. We stole. Okay, well, how about we not do either? Right. It. I have my issues with both. And Christianity is so entangled in politics right now. But no, I'm not voting for either. I don't want to. Good for you. I'm not going to. And... People are like, you can't do that. I go, oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. I thought this was America. I'm sorry. Because that I find that so funny. They go, this is America land of free. You can't do that. I go, the hell I can't. They go, oh, if you don't vote, you can't complain. No, I actually physically really can. I've done yeah. it many times. I am going to vote. It won't be for them. So I will vote, which I, I don't care if people respect that. I'm not voting for I'm not voting for those two, but I am voting. And everyone else can go to the polls and vote for their appointed God for the next four years. So, Yeah, I decided I'm going to vote for the person that in practice has shown a record of supporting racial reconciliation and equality among the classes. Oh, someone come back from the dead? <laughs> oh, no, there is nobody currently. Uh, but when that person shows up, I'll vote for them. I, I, I still agree with what you said. I'm not saying she's perfect, but that Joe Jorgensen is better than oh, both. Jojo, of them. she's great. She's, she has, uh, she does not physically assault people. That's number one. She's pretty not good. put millions of black people in prison. Um, and she's not these two guys. Those are like the top three things I like about her. Yeah. She's not these two candidates. Um, but yeah, Biden is going to keep rubbing faces and. Trump will keep grabbing people. Trump will keep trumping. <laughs> Trump's going to trump. How is this a real thing? Trump and Biden. This is the best America could come up with. We go, here's the two people who need to represent us. And it's funny that there are people who years ago were like, Biden's scum. He did this. Look at how he treated women. And now they go, if you don't vote for him, you literally hate black people, Seth. And I go, okay. And then people are like, if you don't vote for Trump, you literally hate God in America. I go, what if... <laughs> What if I just don't do either? They go, you're the worst. I'm you're like, yeah. the worst. I know. It's our systems were great for 60 years. They've changed everything. They've done every policy. The Democrats have taken care of the poor. There's no more poverty. Uh, Republicans have ended all abortion. Yeah. And the last 60 years have worked perfectly and politicians can be trusted. And yeah, the way you change a system is by participating in the corrupt system the exact way we have the last 60. It's kind of like telling criminals exactly. to turn yeah. themselves in. Like, if you just keep voting, this <laughs> it'll fix itself. <laughs> Do you hear that? This is the funny thing. If you say, I want change, I want stuff to be different, they go, good, then you have to vote. I go, okay, I'm going to vote for this person. They go, not that way. Yeah, they don't go, vote that If way. you want revolutionary change, you need to keep voting in the same way we have for 60 years for the people who don't want revolution, for the same people who support the current establishment and who support the current system and to keep pushing it forward. And if you do, on its own, voting for these people, they'll turn themselves in and revolutionize they'll figure and, it out. and they'll figure it out. It's like that 
if you want a system without Trumps, you need to keep voting for Trump every time. And I'm like, what? Like, let's do the Irish system. What's it called? The the ranked voting. The ranked vote. They have like seven, eight options. They go so cool. They go by what's your first choice, your third choice, your fourth. Instead, it's like, no, let's go with these two groups who have and your vote no co- always matters that way. Which by do you get this? Hey, do you get this? I want you to hear me. America. They yes, I want to be very clear because this pissed me off. They don't give a shit about you. They are rich. They most of them are lawyer. They do not. You have more in common with the lower income people in your name. They don't care. They do not. I, I want to point this out. It like oh, uh, Republicans wanted abortion. They did not defund Planned Parenthood when they had the House and Gorsuch. They didn't give a crap. Yet under Obama, abortion went down twelve percent. Mm. Obama was the peace guy, and yet he drone-striked civ- civilians. Here's why. Here's why. They're both full of crap. They are full of crap. It's keep voting. That's fine. And I get it. People go, well, it's either this or murder babies. No, invite pregnant teenagers or pregnant women into your house then. Go to a crisis pregnancy center or help. There's so many other things. But I'll put it this way. If I told one of my family members that I forgot to pray or fast for the election by voted, they'd go, oh, that's fine. Just just pray later, just, as long as you vote it, as long as you vote. But if I told them I prayed and fasted all day, hours, praying to God, petitioning him for a good leader, but forgot to vote, they go, you forgot to vote? Because that's where Christians' power is. Mm. That's where their power is. And here's the thing. People are going to go, how dare you? Trump is fighting for us up in Washington. <laughs> Do you... Like, how many times do they have to do this to you before you realize you are on your own and they don't care? They've never cared. I'm sorry. They're going to say what they have to stay in power. Do you think they haven't gotten it? Do you think they haven't gotten that if they tell certain people they believe in God, they believe in values, they believe in tradition? Which, by the way, originally when we were voting on marriage, certain Christians, it wasn't about traditional marriage. It was based on the Bible. It was biblical values. But we changed it to traditional because conservatives wanted to catch more people who might not be religious, but they could fall under that tent. They don't care. They know. They know if they say God. They know what to say. Like, do you get that? You're a demographic to them. You're a number. If you can't pay your mortgage, no one is coming for you. No one's showing up. The whole, oh, well, fine, you know, you you don't, you don't like the cops. Next time a crackhead breaks in your house, fine, you can deal with it on your own. We're already dealing with it on our own. A crackhead can get into my house in about 90 seconds. The average cop response in a lot of neighborhoods can be over 20 minutes, sometimes higher. We're already dealing with, do you think 95% of crimes just get stopped because the cops get there in 20 seconds? Mm. We're already on our own. It's like, well, then no, fine. You can deal with it next time if you, if you don't like the cop. We're already dealing with it. And you know how I know? You own guns. If you really had such faith in the police and government that they're going to protect you, why are you armed to the teeth? Because you know they're not going to show up in two minutes. And that guy can gnaw through your freaking window biting things on, you know, on PCP in a minute and a half. And I don't even hate police. Sean's the one who's mad at police. I don't even <laughs> hate police, but even I know they're not, they're, they're a response. They can show up after. And then it's almost like the Avengers. Robert Downey Jr. He says, we may not be able to stop it, but you can be sure we're going to avenge it. They're like that. Cause you can't be everywhere. And that's not even fair to cops to think they can be everywhere, but go ahead. Go show up. Yeah, vote for him. I'm sure you're right. You're right. This time it'll be different, man. 
just it'll be different than Bush, Obama, Clinton. You're right. This time, despite all evidence, despite all the bailouts, despite how they've handled everything and not giving a crap, despite that they all went to the same colleges, same dads, same businesses, Mm. loaded to the gills with money. You're right. They're concerned about you. They care about you, man. And it's like, you know, not the, the saying not voting is voting. You're damn right it is. And that's some people's vote. So it's mm. so and, and deal with it. So now there you go. Good luck, everyone. Have fun. Your apocalypse. I just want to say, Seth, I love you. <laughs> I affirm you. I agree with you. <laughs> I didn't even have to say anything. I didn't even have to explain my po- position. You did perfectly. And I appreciate it. I hope a meteor hits us. <laughs> oh, but I do feel called to be a pastor and still have a desire. So there awesome. we go. There we go. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> you just secured that position for sure right now. I got nothing. No, that, that was it. I've <laughs> been it. saving that for weeks. Tales from the Ditch. Hey, everybody. This is Sean. Real quick, breaking in to let you know that we are taking a 10-week break from Tales from the Ditch. 2020 hasn't claimed it yet. We should be back before the year is over uh, in a different America with a new president, or if things go well, no president and anarchy ruling the land. But after 10 weeks, we will be back. Thanks for your support. And that's all. All right. Well, this has been Tales from the Ditch. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments or you completely disagree with Seth's, rebellious vanguard position contrarian ideas. <laughs> yeah exactly highly then scandalous. go ahead and email him me just the mediator here with no uh controversial opinions whatsoever maybe i'll look at that <laughs> the email first as well. time <laughs> um yeah email us at tales from the ditch at gmail.com if you want to support us you can go to patreon or yeah patreon.com slash tales from the ditch or just send us money directly or just buy us beers yeah just drop them off or take them take us to a movie whatever it is and that's it right that's it and uh we still have the jimmy swagger award and the jerry fowler oh the Falwell Jr. Award we have. I might want to take that one down. The Falwell Jr. Yeah, we... Because more stuff came out. Oh, no. Like really? three more th- I, I Oh, my gosh. I, and I'm not attacking the guy. You know what? I I hope I hope he turns. Uh, I, I wouldn't want anyone to be in his position. Yeah, more stuff. Yeah, it's Bad terrible. Stuff. Terrible. But so, we are the recipient of the Jerry Falwell we, we Sexual Ethics and Instagram oh, Policy gosh, Award. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> so send your emails about Sean. <laughs> Focus on that last statement, not on what I say about politics. Because I know some of you are getting a patriotic boner right now for how angry you are oh, towards me. Gosh. So, but Well, I edit it. So. Anyway. All right. Zip it up. Zip it out. Zip it out.